You said this episode was going to be janky. Yeah. I want. I want to know why. Both of you said that actually. The molds are janky. The molds are hard. Hard to put in a box. They're janky and they're hard. What's uh, what is janky? What do you mean in janky t- terms? In terms of janky. Did I commit a murder? <laughs> You're grilling I'm just me. Right a- now. I'm interviewing. No. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are we not having an interview on a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to start a conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sam. How was your day? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Jeez. No one cares. How Sam. hard Get is that? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think this is going to be slightly janky. Um, but not in a bad way, but we just have to be upfront that like the moles are seriously, they are so complex and deep and broad. Mm -hmm. Like there's just, there's a ton of approaches to playing the duchy, which I think is a a intentional part of its design, but it, it makes our job very difficult. Yeah. We can't just recommend one way to play the moles and that's like the way to play them there's like four kind of core strategies and with with the eerie dynasties like that that variability to how you approach the game is there too but with the moles it just feels like it's many times beyond the eerie dynasties kyle has that been your experience researching for this i mean i'd say so it it's um it's pretty you could i don't know (laughs) cut all this it's like it's a little situation <laughs> the thing is it's like what i said about them earlier was like that they already have they have a menu of items from which to choose right whereas like the eerie and the other factions kind of they have definitely selection options and stuff but the moles just have so many options that lead to other options right it's a branching tree or i guess root system of of choices a little bit when it comes to swaying and also what they choose to reveal and what they choose to craft right yeah yeah I mean, a, a root system is just an upside-down tree, Jake, so I, I'm right with you. Um, Whoa. Am mind I blowing your blown. mind? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the metaphors are going to be janky. This whole episode is going to be a little bit janky. <laughs> but I do think that we should start out by updating our listeners on some root news. Root news. <laughs> root news. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, this first bit of news here is uh, fantastic. The Good Time Society root giveaways have been a huge success for most people. Kyle, how's that physical copy looking? Um, further away than ever. Uh, I don't <laughs> have one. <laughs> I, I did see one. you uh, post on the Discord a sweet potato you carved to look like a duchy. Is this your way of creating a root physical game? Yeah, there are a bunch of vegetables carved to different game pieces right now at your house. <laughs> it's the best I can do. Woodland Alliance is just a bunch of old celery. <laughs> There's just a bed of potatoes for the board. <laughs> oh, it's uh, I'm so lonely, you guys. Um, <laughs> but I'm having fun with my food. I'm also very hungry, so I'd appreciate it if, if anyone out there could send me either a physical copy of Root or just a lot more food. Um, okay, this is getting really desperate now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a cry for help. Not only does he not have a game, he's starving. It's literally taken all of my mental energy to research the moles. Yeah. I have nothing left over to cook for myself. Or no, you insane. need the calories. You gotta eat. So the giveaways have been very successful, but uh, we we have we're not giving away any more <laughs> until the end. All right, we're holding them. We're holding the goods. Okay, we're so holding out on you. Keep listening. Do not unsubscribe from this feed. 
if you're looking for one. Kyle, that goes for you too. <laughs> We're all desperate. Yeah, Kyle, you got to keep subscribed if you ever want that physical copy. I am still subscribed. Here, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was definitely under the impression that we were going to be playing Root to determine who won like a, a copy of the game. So you've been playing it, Root. Wait, you thought life. we were giving away it as a tournament prize? Yeah, I thought that, was, that we were going to have to play a game of Root and whoever wins would win the thing. So... I realize that's a lot of work now, and that was silly of me to believe that in the past, but <laughs> I still think we should do that, because it feels okay. like the only fair way. And, I think and, that's a uh, great idea. I also feel like it's the only path forward for me to actually win one of these things, so. <laughs> it will, it will it on, be all listeners. the sweeter when you've earned it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. You do need exactly. to and A little bit more in Root news here. We have the finals of Root Jam 2021, which is, of course, the fan faction contest for this year. Uh, the finals for that are, are happening July 5th. They have narrowed it down to four finalists. Sad to say that the Pink Moss Protectorate is not uh, one of the four finalists. Sad. Kyle, it's <laughs> it's just not your day. <laughs> it's okay. We, I, I think uh, the kind of outpouring of creative energy was so inspiring overall. Uh, for Root Jam that to me this just means that they have to have another one so we can get another crack at that oh yeah do you know how many people entered (laughs) yeah we clearly were competitive I think 20 wow maybe even a little more I'm not sure yeah it was a lot it was a big response that's awesome Uh, again raising money for Doctors Without Borders Um, so great cause it's more necessary now than ever big shout outs to everyone who's organized that and uh i'm really excited for the finals this is going to be some fun fan route yeah absolutely bot bot has been heading up weird route on thursdays hopefully we'll have him on uh maybe a little bit to talk about the whole route jam process but uh look forward to the finals july 5th all right guys time to talk about the moles in earnest the underground duchy now kyle what is a duchy (laughs) um I believe it's pronounced Dookie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's uh, a duchy is actually, it's like a feudal political arrangement. A duchy is basically like one step below like a kingdom in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So you have like empire, then you have like more local like kingdom, and then you have a duchy for like a, a big parcel of land and then on down and down and down. So th- it implies like a very like stratified kind of political arrangement or society. Uh, where you have a duke and a duchess and then barons, in a, you know, working the individual estates or owning those. Um, so it's it's highly organized. It's very structured, structured like a, a ladder, but a very strict hierarchy is sort of implied by the word duchy. But the thing is, is it's not any, any kind of feudalist arrangement because it's <laughs> technically a parliament. Wait, what? The real one or the moles yeah. one? The 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 underground duchy is a parliament, and not a duchy. It, well, is it both? It's kind of hard for me to tell. The underground parliament is that what <laughs> is that the flag we're planting today? I think so. Yeah, it's from what I my re- oh fuck. Hold on, let me make sure that I got this right. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's a parliament. Wait a minute. When you said you did research, did you just research forms of government? What, what's happening? No, hang on, hang on. Because <laughs> I did a bunch of moles research. Which is, well, moles are small animals adapted to a subterranean lifestyle. They have cylindrical bodies, velvety fur, very small, inconspicuous ears and eyes, reduced hind limbs, and short, powerful forelimbs, which large paws have adapted for digging. Wow. 
So rabbit cards? <laughs> Generally, yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> I, I was a janky episode. It is a parliament. <laughs> this is a janky episode. I just have to, yeah, I just got to put it up front. Um, things to look forward to in this episode, though. Ranked choice voting for each uh, <laughs> minister. Anyway, um, I voted today and I had to do a bunch of research on my candidates here in New York. So it took a lot of brain space away from the rest of today. Here yeah, we go. you did as it much te- research on the moles as you did for your mayoral candidates. This is very I impressive. did, yeah. I, I appreciate did. all I the research a lot of websites. And Kyle, no your first vote for New York mayor was the Baron of Dirt? <laughs> well, <laughs> hell yeah. I want he used to run sanitation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so it, it is a parliament uh, because in the Law of Root, uh, when you reach the step in the turn during daylight, when you take the action of each swayed minister once in any order, that step is called parliament. Oh. And it makes sense because uh, these ministers, these things that we're going to sway that we'll get into way too much detail about here in moments, uh, in, in a sense, they've all gathered, the, you know, the ones you've swayed to your side, and they are kind of passing bills or introducing legislation or taking action on behalf of your project here, which is, as we all know, uh, an invasion of the woodland. Slash colonization project. It's a little vague. Okay. We've had several invading forces of the woodland. The cats came by sea. And it appears the underground duchy comes just from... They were under the woodland. That's right. They were in their great underground duchy this whole time. (laughs) And now they're emerging uh, on the surface world. And trying to impose their strict hierarchy on, on the woodland. And you know what? Maybe some structure is what this episode needs, and maybe it's yeah. what the woodland in general needs. So the, oh. the mole's invasion might actually turn out to be a good thing for the woods, at least as a player who's piloting the moles, we would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I wrote this whole thing. I'm just going to read it. Do it. The Underground Duchy, formerly known as the Great Underground Duchy. Anyone who is following the Underworld Kickstarter uh, is familiar with the original version of the moles, which is called the Great Underground Duchy. Very kind of different situation in a lot of ways. Uh, do you think it was just um, space on the faction board for the change? Or why do you think <laughs> they're not great anymore? Oh, I think it's because the, all the factions have two name, or two yeah. word names. Yeah. Um, Whoa. Marquis so, Cat. <laughs> yeah. Marquis D-U-H-Cat. I had never noticed that. Well, I mean, vagabond is one word, right? The vagabond. Is it the vagabond? <laughs> well, then there's the the lizard cult yeah. as well. Okay, it's not a strict right. thing, I guess. But that's a cool. I didn't notice that. <laughs> but before. the great underground duchy is extremely long. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the the duchy is a parliament, <laughs> which we've established, featuring a complex social web of citizen moles who perform various official duties. Now it's the player's responsibility to conduct themselves in such a way during the game. That they can successfully lobby the governmental moles at each level of the social hierarchy <laughs> to get on board with a colonization slash invasion project of the surface world, the woodland itself. Now, if this all sounds like a Kafka-esque bureaucratic nightmare of red tape, you now understand the moles. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, I see. Yeah, so it's we're going to have our hands tied. We want to do things and we're not going to be able to do things. Is that the preview here? Everything you want to do has a very strict order of operations, mm-hmm. and 
I think colloquially the moles are famous for having extremely long turns as a result. <laughs> yeah. So many times playing the moles from experience, I just like will make a couple moves and I'll be like, sorry guys, I have to walk that back. Hold on. Cause now I can't, I don't have enough cards to sway. Right. Like it's I all... have to just throw out that. I think this is the most undue prone faction that we have. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel the least certainty when playing the moles of any of the factions. I do feel uneasy. Yeah. And honestly, it's it, most likely the, that is a symptom of just like unfamiliarity and inexperience, which is like, I, I felt the same way just to be like really upfront. Like I have the least experience with the underworld factions, uh, which is why I spent the last week putting in some time to try and wrap my head around these guys for all of you listeners out there, we're doing our best. Um, this is a highly complicated faction in terms of strategy, and there's a lot of approaches. We're going to try and cover them in as much depth as possible on a single episode of a podcast. Uh, so hang with us. We hope that at the end of all this, uh, you're going to just have a, a better grasp of the different ways to approach this awesome faction and uh, perhaps how to like get good and win with them. That's the goal. Yeah, and they are a good faction. This yeah. is not one where we have to play from behind, or if we are playing from behind, it's only because we're actually making our board presence that much stronger for when the snowball really starts rolling downhill. Yeah. Now, we've been very modest about our kind of experience with this faction, but I do want to just say that, like, we, we don't have, like, no experience. Actually, Sam, both you and I have won tournament games as the Underground Duchy, so, mm -hmm. like, we're, we're coming in with at least a little... A little experience under our belt. Sure, for sure, for sure. I've played uh, two games as the moles, and I have won them both, so I have a hundred percent win rate. Wow! Jake. All wow. right, yeah, Jake, we're gonna be kicking it to you then for most of these expert yes, questions. Yes, I am here. ready. <laughs> the term mole is especially <laughs> and most properly used for true moles from the family Talpidae in the northern Eucalyptophilia, which are found in most parts of North America, Europe, Asia although it may refer to unrelated mammals of Australia and Southern Africa that have convergently evolved into the mole body plan, we like to say. Oh, okay. And that's it. that cylindrical body, Cylindrical Jake? body, velvety fur, <laughs> very small and conspicuous ears and eyes. <laughs> Good for swaying. <laughs> now I'm oh just God. picturing someone swaying a bunch of cylindrical moles. I know. I'm just imagining the moles like singles bar right now. It's really weird. <laughs> all right so let's get back to this tournament context we have for the for the moles here all right because they are our good faction all right one of the strongest in the games in terms of flexibility scoring potential and raw action economy all of which we're going to discuss in great detail in a minute but in the tournaments the record is a little inconsistent hmm. kyle give us some stats Yes, uh, so they were played the second most of all factions across all the tournaments that we have data for, uh, just behind the Erie Dynasties. So that's a total of 37 games in which the moles were chosen. Mm -hmm. Out of those 37 games, they've won nine times. All right? I know that doesn't sound good, but we should just take a, a little bit of a closer look at the data just to kind of suss out why this is probably the case. Okay. So out of those 37 games, 12 of them... Uh, so about one third are we're in the Space Cats Peace Turtles tournament, and the Dutchie won two out of twelve in that tournament. Now I won, <laughs> and, and you were one of those games, Sam. That's right. Um, 
in in that tournament, after kind of like taking a closer look at all this data, it turns out that the most of the players who were playing the duchy uh, were either a bit newer or just like had a bit less experience with the moles. Um, this is not to say that all of them were inexperienced or whatever, but right. just from kind of like a quick read of, of all the players who were piloting them, it did seem like that was a factor in the kind of results from that tournament. Sure. Now, taking a look at the winter tournament, the Duchy did fare somewhat better. They won 7 out of 25 games. That's a little over 25%, which is about par for a root faction, right? Four-player game. You win yep. about 25% of the time. That's like par, I would say. Yeah. In the winter tournament, there was players with who have, like, you know, played the moles a bunch uh, who were piloting them and had some good results. So I would say that their potential has not yet been reached in tournament play is kind of my takeaway. And also, like, we could use more uh, more data. That's just, I'm, I'm thirsty for more numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lily, get on it. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> she can't create data if no one plays games. So uh, the... Oh, also, I kind of want to put into this context, the Winter Tournament happened before the Space Cats Tournament that you were talking about, Kyle, where the Moles didn't win as many. So is there like something to be said about the meta changing, seeing the success of the Moles and kind of course correcting, having learned some lessons? Is that at all possible, you think? I think that is definitely possible. Um, one of the things that makes this faction challenging to discuss in strategic depth is that it it's one of the most molten factions in terms of strategy that we have at present mm -hmm. uh and this is even including like factions that are just in print and play stage right now so like the the moles have had a number of innovations over the past like 10 months mm -hmm. uh that have caused a panic in the root community <laughs> kind of two yeah. um and has have resulted in them gaining a reputation for being unstoppable followed by a reputation for being very easy to squash, followed by a reputation for being maybe the best racers in the game. It's like been this whole evolving field of study. So it contains multitudes. I think they're, they have underperformed slightly in tournament play up to this point. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell that the potential is there. Just, I mean, what did Lily say was one of the most important things about tournament play? Adaptability. And like you said, Kyle, this is the faction that is the most molten strategically. We can kind of bend a little bit to the game state, or I'd like to think we can. Maybe it's maybe you kind of get locked into a path. I don't know. I guess I'm going to ask you some of these questions about absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like how uh, how much you can steer the ship a different direction mid game. Is that going to be possible? You know, totally. Uh, cool. And we're going to walk you through the kind of like four or five kind of main avenues of strategic approach for the moles and the their strengths and weaknesses how to kind of get them going and um how to kind of identify them during a game yeah so but to get us there let's start with the nuts and bolts sam what are the faction components for the duchy well uh no nuts or bolts <laughs> for this faction instead we just have a reach of eight we have 20 warriors uh, nine buildings, which are three markets, three citadels. Oh, wait, no, sorry, six buildings. Three markets and three <sighs> citadels. And there's three tunnel tokens, not buildings. And we have the burrow, which is a fun little cardboard clearing that only you can rule and place pieces in. That's right. Um, of note, just a little bit here. If you are playing with the base deck and craft royal claim, you do get a point for ruling the the uh the burrow that's so. right it's just an extra 
clearing. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. I kind of wish people could go into the burrow. <laughs> you know, I kind of wish someone could invade your burrow. You know, how fun would that be? <laughs> the burrow's like one of the most appealing parts of the moles when you first like play them because you just have this little safe zone. It's not a clearing that you rule to like get a suit or anything, but it's still great to have a safe spot that you can start to mass warriors without worrying about them. Yeah, that's right. It's like a hopper. It's like a hopper <laughs> of mole warriors. Yeah. And not to keep like showing our age and being like, I remember when the Underworld Kickstarter said this, but there <laughs> used to be a thing where if you had a, like a, a, you hit a certain threshold of moles in the burrow that they'd starve and you'd lose a bunch of them. Like <laughs> if you right. had too many warriors oh in, in the- That's bleak. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You had to get them out on the map. It was interesting. I feel like thematically that I miss that. Because it's, yeah. like, this idea that they have to expand to the surface in order to, like, carry on as a civilization or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas it feels a little bit well, like... That, I mean, that also, like, yeah, it makes them feel like they are the turtling faction in a lot of ways because they have that safe spot, right? Yeah. And because their starvation rule is no longer applies, they're just, they're almost enticed to do that. Yeah. So the, the burrow is a clearing... Can you dig a tunnel into the burrow? Is I just checked this. I was like, you know, now that we were talking about it, I just checked on the internet. No, because you're spending a card that has to match a clearing, and the right. burrow does Matches. not have a suit. Okay. Yeah, very good. Got it. Though, I don't know, maybe the rules coming up with Marauder, maybe something crazy happens, and you can suit a clearing or something. I don't know. We don't know what they're cooking up in that dream factory at Leader Games. <laughs> So the way the moles are going to score here is going to be some steady growth, potential to burst points through crafting and through military action. So everything is what I'm hearing, Kyle. It's a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, they, they have kind of a point salad uh, kind of scoring method. Uh, the steady growth part of their scoring is mainly to do with swaying ministers. Mm -hmm. The kind of last piece of their components, there's these nine minister cards uh each of which you have to kind of elect or sway um by revealing cards and uh having pieces in matching clearings out on the map um once you sway a minister then the next turn it will like add to your action economy mm -hmm. uh it starts out very simple like it's one move or one battle something like that and it grows a little more complex with the kind of mid-tier uh those are called nobles and then the lords, the kind of upper echelon of the mole society, uh, they will allow you to score points in different ways and, and are generally like more valuable and uh, a little bit more difficult to acquire or sway to your cause. All right. So wait, when we're swaying ministers, uh, we have like a max potential of 18 points there, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Very similar to the, uh, the river folk, actually, in that. Right the kind of like max kind of static scoring that you can do as the duchy is 18 victory points. You can reach 18 while doing almost nothing else to impact the game uh, by just <laughs> swaying the ministers. And although you can re-sway a minister you've lost, those crowns are permanent. So there is a max of 18 total points you could get from swaying. That's right. Uh, Kyle, have you found that people get all those 18 points or even need all those 18 points? I would say it's incredibly rare to see um, a duchy player board that has all nine ministers active. Um, right. I, I'm going to say, I, th I think I've never seen that happen. Yeah, not all I, I mean, of them the game's over I mean, by the just... time you get 
that rolling, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would take so many turns. Uh, usually, root game is over in about eight turns. Yeah. If if people are like entangled, if, yeah. You know, if everyone is going crazy, then it could last nine or ten, or sometimes longer. Um, I'm currently working on a a full length game analysis for my YouTube channel uh, that actually features the duchy. Um, of a game that lasts, I think, way longer than 10 rounds. It's, like, just this, like, really insane, very, like, everyone threading the needle to kind of keep the game alive for one more turn, like, multiple turns in a row. Wow. <laughs> anyway, it's fascinating. Look forward to that in about 10 years. Uh, <laughs> so Swing Ministers, that's the kind of core scoring mechanic that mm-hmm. they have. All right? You're going to try to Sway Minister every turn if possible. Um, that's just going to keep your engine kind of churning and keep it building up. Uh, in broad strokes, the squires let you take simple actions. The nobles let you take more complex actions and the lords score points. Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's, let's go ahead and talk about their daylight actions. They get two of them every turn and you, uh, you've got a little menu to choose from here. So you've got four base actions. You have move and battle. All right. Pretty self-explanatory. We've seen those on almost every other player board. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the two that are specific to the moles are recruit and dig. Sam, tell us about recruit. Yeah, recruit with the moles is cool because it's automatic. You're always going to get one warrior in the burrow. And then depending on how many citadels you've built, it'll reveal a little mole icon and you get that many additional warriors each turn automatically sent to the burrow. That's so nice. Yeah. yeah. And when they're in the burrow, they can be used to either move to any place with tunnels or you can use the other unique action, dig, to make them pop up somewhere, Kyle. Dig is great. The, the thing with dig is that it does cost a card. You have to spend a card from your hand. Yeah. And... Uh, We'll see in a minute that, you know, having cards in hand to reveal is very important for scoring points. But you could spend one of those to place a tunnel on the map and then move up to four warriors from the burrow into that resulting clearing. Um, Dig is really nice for establishing a new uh, home base for building buildings. Dig is also nice for popping up and raiding uh, a, a weak clearing or, you know, a clearing that has some cardboard or... Uh, trying to take out an eerie roost or something like that. Uh, so dig can be a nice kind of surprise attack. So dig costs a card. Most other things are going to be just revealed cards, though. So, for instance, build. Uh, on your turn, you can reveal a card matching a clearing to just build a building, you know, a market or a citadel. Yeah, we're going to use a lot of reveals here. And actually, the the molds are so flexible that you're going to think you can do so much, but then you realize you've already revealed that card for a different action, right? The cards you use to reveal to build with, you can't use to sway. Yeah. So that's where your card economy balancing act is really going to start. Even turn one, you're going to be like, should I reveal this card to build or should I make sure I can sway. You know? Yeah, we have some tips and tricks for how to um, plan out your turn as the duchy so that you don't get stuck in analysis paralysis or take 
55 minutes for every turn. <laughs> Still a nice luxury, though, right? That you just have to reveal. Like, you don't even have to spend. So many people have to spend so many yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Cats have to build those resources of logs yes. and crap, you know? These guys can put them back in their hand at the that's end right. of their turn. That's that's such a nice ability. It's very comforting. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, the, the thing to note, though, is that uh, similar to the lizards, actually, bird cards are uh, a bit tricky with the duchy, if every bird card you reveal ends up getting discarded right. uh, during the step when you return those cards to your hand, so bird cards are maybe slightly less valuable to the to the duchy or uh, a little riskier. They're just, to it's, keep in they're, hand. they're just more costly, right? Is that like they're they're equally valuable because they can be flexible for what you need to either sway or do other things, but right. they're costly in that you don't get to recycle them like you do with everything else. Exactly, that flexibility comes at a price. Yeah, but like it feels like that price is pretty reasonable considering how nice it is that you only have to reveal. <laughs> it just feels like a benefit. Yeah, like, it's true. It's yeah, true. like only a small downside to what is already a large benefit. And yeah. it's not even that much of a downside because remember what we talked about with the lizard cult in terms of discarding bird cards to pick up a suited dominance card mm-hmm. in order. Now I have a card that I don't have to discard at the end of my turn. That's right. So, uh, so apply those same tricks here. Yeah, dominance swapping can be incredibly useful. It's true. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about their buildings for a second. So we've got these two buildings, markets and citadels. Uh, markets, uh, for everyone that you build, you draw an additional card at the end of your turn. Citadels, for each one you build, you get more and more uh, warriors just like automatically recruited into the borough at the very start of your turn. Um, But that's not all they do. They're not only static upgrades to your faction. They also function as crafting pieces. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you build in a clearing that you rule. You get a crafting piece during daylight that you can then use to craft in evening. Mm-hmm. And nothing anyone can do about it in the meantime. Yeah. So they're one of the few factions that can actually build a building that can help them craft on the same yeah. turn, mm-hmm. which is pretty nice. And is going to actually be the core of a future uh, strategy that we will discuss called Pump and Dump. Ooh, can we can we not call it that? I, well, we have to. <laughs> we are we don't get legally to obligated that. to. But no, I hate saying it okay, out loud. Great. <laughs> so... We're kind of still in daylight, and this is the thing with moles. Their daylight takes 8,000 years. (laughs) Um, We should do a quick analysis of the ministers that you can sway as the duchy. Okay. And uh, so I voted today. This is my my opportunity to implement ranked choice voting on behalf (laughs) of the underground duchy. (laughs) So there's nine ministers total. Let's start with the squires. Squires. You have to reveal two matching cards, uh, matching clearings where you have pieces, each time you sway a squire, you get one victory point. And there's three three of them. The, uh, we have the marshal, the formal, and the captain. <laughs> and for my ranked choice voting, number one is going to go to marshal. Interesting. Yeah. Now, this is the one that gives you a free move, right? That's right. It gives you a okay. move every time you uh, get to your minister step. And I think I've seen the marshal swayed in, in almost every mole game that I reviewed for this episode. Okay, I first think it turn? Is, it, um, not always first turn, oh, but okay. generally it gets swayed at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of no matter what. I, and I think that's for one main reason, which is moving the moles you get at the start of your turn out of the burrow and into some clearing on the map to defend buildings or a tunnel or whatever it is. Yeah, It's just so handy 
to get a free move to get your moles like out on the map and like doing something. Because mm-hmm. again, in order to sway, you have to have pieces in a clearing that matches a card in your hand. Uh, so the marshal is not only good for getting pieces out onto the map, it's good for getting them away from the tunnels and into adjacent clearings that have different suits. So it, improving your ability to kind of get those pieces in place for swaying, very important. Number two on my ranked choice here is the formal. Uh, the formal is great because it allows you to construct a building by revealing any card. It does not have to match the clearing. It's just whatever card in your hand. This is nice when you're going for like a bunch of buildings or like a building heavy strategy, such as <laughs> Swole Mole or Pump and Dump. Uh, it just adds some flexibility. So you have an easier time swaying if you know you can reveal like whatever card to build a building. Yeah, this is a one that I think a lot of people overlook. They assume it's just another build, like Marshall is another move, but it's actually a better build because you don't have to match with that card. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, plus, it takes the building step and puts it in your minister action so you can spend those daylight actions, <laughs> probably recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, last on the list here is Captain. Captain just lets you battle one time. Mm-hmm. For, for me, Captain is one of those ones where, like, it's nice, I guess, if you have it, but you're probably, like, you're, you're not going to really, like, need it early in the game, and mm-hmm. you're also not going to need it later in the game. <laughs> so, like, probably go for Martial and Formal instead. Yeah. Because as we're going to see, there's a battle champion of the moles. Mm-hmm. And her name is Bridget. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the nobles. Th- these are this is probably the the core of of the ministers for uh, for the duchy. The the, mm-hmm. the most useful ministers, arguably. Mm-hmm. So uh, to sway a noble, you need to reveal three cards that match clearings with your pieces. You get two victory points for doing so. And in my ranked choice voting, I'm going to say brigadier is number one. Just yeah. right off the bat, super easy to say that. Yeah, I think if you didn't break these down by, um, you know, rank, I th- I think that Bridget might be number one most important yeah. lo- uh, minister. Definitely. Definitely. And so Brigadier, often abbreviated as Bridget or Brig, uh, is the backbone of the action economy of the duchy. So Brigadier allows you to take two moves or initiate two battles. Okay? Is it up to? Or is it two? Yes, it is up to. So take up to two moves or initiate up to two battles. Nice. Yeah. That is flexible. flexible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So with like Captain, except it's four times as good. <laughs> <laughs> and twice the points. Yeah. It's five times as good. It's way better. It's way gooder. <laughs> uh, something that actually gets misplayed a little bit frequently that I've seen is with Brigadier, you actually have to take both of the actions, whether that's moves or battles, in kind of strict sequence. Like, right. you can't split them up. Uh, and for for instance, you can't, like, battle one time in a clearing and then, like, swap over to Marshall to move some more little dudes into that clearing and then battle again using Brigadier. It's like, you right. got to do them one after the other. Uh, you're kind of limited in that way. Yeah. But still, come on. That's not a drawback. You just get so many moves or so many battles. It's like definitely going to be the main engine of the action Mm -hmm. economy for the moles i know this is so funny this is the main card and the main card is do 
either of these two things. So when you're planning your turn, you're like, what am I going to do? I don't even know how to use my best card best in this turn. <laughs> it's just another huge choice that is going to lead to your paralysis. You know what I mean? Yeah, and to make things even weirder, <laughs> yeah. we've got number two in my ranked choice voting for Nobles, and that's the mayor. Oh my gosh, the mayor. Uh, uh, what does the mayor do, Kyle? Yeah, th so the mayor, it's really simple. Basically, you're just going to duplicate in a, an action of another suede minister. Right. I guess thematically the mayor just puppets whatever one of the other lords says. <laughs> you know, the mayor has no original <laughs> ideas. They're like, yeah. I don't know, Brigadier, what do you think I should do? <laughs> He's like, move twice or battle twice. <laughs> so, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't take a big brain to really, like, come up with the, uh, the, the notion that you should just use mayor to copy Brigadier in most cases. Now, Kyle, if I use Brigadier to take two moves and then I use Mayor, do I have to take two more moves or can I switch it up and take two battles? No, you can switch it up. You yeah. Can, you can do anything in whatever order. It's it's extremely flexible. It's mm -hmm. super responsive. You can get moles to the other side of the map and then like battle anything in the other side of the map. Like it's it's insane. Yeah. Two battles. It turns out to be the right amount of battles in route to really do damage, right? One battle oftentimes, especially against the Vagabond or against the Moles, if they have a bunch stacked on there, one battle ain't going to cut it, even with some good rolls. So uh, having this ability to battle twice and then maybe use Mayor to battle two more times, you have the actions to destroy whatever you want. It's super intimidating, right? Like, how do you mm -hmm. even defend against that? Like, yeah. you can't have enough meeples everywhere. Right. So it's like, at a certain point, if you have Mare and Brigadier online, uh, it's just going to be really hard to keep your cardboard safe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just a health hazard. <laughs> 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 All right. So the biggest bang for your buck with Mare is definitely Brigadier, because you're copying two actions. So, yeah, it's just really great. Yeah. Um, Captain is just standing by going like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the number three on my ranked choice voting for nobles is Banker. And Banker is so good. Like, it shouldn't be number three, but the other two are just so good anyway. Yeah, I'm curious why Banker is down here, but it's because the other two are so superior, right? Uh, my notion is that the other two allow you to affect the board state more directly, which is not only good for you because you're scoring points from hitting cardboard, but it's bad for your opponents. So it, it's kind of like a zero something like you're improving your position and hampering your opponents mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. All right. Which is just great. It gives you a, a bigger swing of advantage versus banker, which just lets you score points by discarding any number of matching cards one victory point per card right so, so you're kind of weakening your own position a little you're like, just scoring points by yourself like is that good absolutely that's really good um but it doesn't it doesn't tend to impact the other players at the table very yeah, much yeah so you're whatever position you're in you just get a little better everyone else stays the same versus moving and battling you get a little bit better somebody else gets a little bit worse mm -hmm. that's why i rank at number three but it's still so good. It, One yeah, point yeah. per card is it, awesome. Well, it's also the fact that, like, I guess I understand why it's there, and I probably would do the same, but, like, 
it's also the potential for that burst that you need at the end. Like, yes, when your sway options might not work out too, or if they do work out and you still have this, you know? Yeah. It's definitely an end game kind of noble. It it lets you kind of burst those extra couple of points. You can just ditch the cards in your hand for like two or three additional points that you would need to get across the finish line. And there's nothing anyone else can do. (laughs) One additional thing that banker works well with or harmonizes well with is markets. When you've constructed a lot of markets, uh, you can afford to just discard cards for points because you're going to instantly refill your hand at the end of your turn uh, with your extra card draw. So we'll get into the strategy, which is called Mole Mart a little bit later on, but that's going to use Banker in a very intentional way to kind of mill the deck and score a bunch of points. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now moving on to the upper echelon. Whoa, the Lords. The big game. <laughs> <laughs> These are ostensibly the wealthy landowners of underground real estate. <laughs> <laughs> the lords, all right? We have a, a duchess of mud. Uh, we have a baron of dirt, and we have an earl of stone. Weirdly, because it's the uh, underground duchy, I never thought about this before, but the duchess of mud seems like right. that might be, like, the, you know, co-ruler of this <laughs> yeah. whole enterprise in a way, Yeah, right? you're right. That's the Marquise de Cat of this faction. That's right. All right. This is the the win more of the underground duchy is how I've termed these guys. Okay. Uh, so you have to reveal four matching cards mm-hmm. uh, where you have pieces in the board, which is obviously a lot, right? That's most of your hand on most turns, if not your entire hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just score three points every time you sway a lord. And what do the lords do? They score you more points. Yeah. So it's a good <laughs> <Yeah>. investment. <laughs> Okay, so ranked choice voting for lords. <laughs> My number one choice for lords is Baron of Dirt. Woo! Yeah. I think Woo! that's correct. Yeah. Baron of Dirt. Score one victory points per market on the map. This is the Mole Mart Lord. Right. All right. When you have a bunch of markets in play, you're going to be scoring one victory point per market on the map. Um, but in addition to it being a, a lord you sway specifically with one kind of strategy, this is also a lord that you're going to see kind of frequently across all strategies uh, that involve buildings. All right? Yeah. If you're swaying ministers, you're going to need cards in your hand. And to get cards in your hand, you're going to want markets. So building markets to get more cards in your hand just lets you sway lords more easily. So it kind of all works out together. You see what I mean? It makes sense. You you build a market, get cards, you sway the more advanced lords, uh, like the Baron of Dirt, and then you <laughs> score because of your markets. It works right. together. Yeah. Number two on my ranked <laughs> choice voting is going to be Duchess of Mud. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Great album. Yeah. <laughs> it's another Tool album, I think. I think so. <laughs> uh, Duchess of Mud is the small mole lord um this one is you score two victory points if all the tunnels are on the map yeah this is the one that's not per thing you have to have all three tunnels and you get two points whereas like if you had one market with the baron of dirt you'd still get one point this one's more binary duchess of mud is actually great because uh well and and the lords are actually all great for the same reason which is you can build stuff or dig tunnels before your minister step 
So yeah. if you have something that scores you points, like the Baron of Dirt or Duchess of Mud or whatever, you can actually like set that up during your daylight actions and then just score a bunch of points on your turn. You can actually even do it using your ministers before activating your lords. So for instance, Whoa. you use formal to build a market and then just score another point with Baron of Dirt. The moles are so good, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that they have the best turn layout, right? Like right. the only thing that's not super advantageous is that they sway after they use their swayed ministers. And I feel like that's it. That's the only thing they are like setting up for next turn. Everything else like you can do before you're going to be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, that they have a lot of like kind of sneaky turn order things that, that are big advantages. Mm-hmm. And lastly, in my rank choice voting, we have the Earl of Stone. Stone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that muted response is because you rarely see this one swayed. <laughs> yeah. um, I, it's not that it's like bad. It's just that it's, you just don't see it as much. Um, this one, for clarity, you score one victory point per citadel on the map. Now, this tends to be a solid option if you're going really hard into the military stuff uh, and, and trying to, like, really bunker and mm-hmm. protect your citadels and all that. Um, but with only citadels, it can actually be a little challenging to get enough cards in your hand to, like, sway this lord and really make it count. All right? Because right. your card draw is going to be kind of slow without those markets. Uh, so Earl of Stone, I feel like I just tend to see that less than the other two. Um, it's not bad, it's just, you know, it, it, the harmony doesn't exist to make it, like, super strong. Yeah, I feel like I see all three markets uh, somewhat often. I wouldn't say every game, but I would say at some point I see three markets go down with the moles occasionally. Yeah. I rarely see all three citadels. I think it's just because, like, recruiting four moles every turn, not four mole, but four moles... <laughs> every turn uh is very good and recruiting six molds is just crazy you don't need that many molds. Well, it's just like not that much better than four. right exactly <laughs> like it's... yeah it's diminishing returns so well i assume we'll get into this a little bit more when it comes to like building choices right because there is i assume you kind of choose which to prioritize or are you saying in general yeah six is bananas you're being greedy six is just bananas in general but yeah. yes there are kind of build orders right uh to to borrow a term from starcraft there's build orders that um i mean they tend to prioritize markets just that's that's kind of the current state of the meta is like markets are usually a better investment earlier on sure uh but before we get to build orders let's talk about crafting ability moles are one of the few factions that has the ability to construct their crafting pieces before they craft on that Mm -hmm. turn which is just kind of OP, honestly, in my opinion. But here we go. Crafting ability is really high, even though the back of the board says it's just moderate. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. Don't believe it. It's really good. With the moles, I feel like we should say, I mean, obviously the items are good for all the factions. But again, moles are one of those factions where we don't have necessarily all the points on the board. I suppose you could if you kept your lords for multiple turns. You could score just off the points on your board but because the crafting potential is so high we can craft the the expensive items and get a lot of points from crafting there's like really nothing that holds us back from crafting at all except that our pieces could be taken but i think the moles are like the second best crafters maybe behind the river folk what do you think Kyle? second best crafters i yeah i think so 
because they get full points for everything unlike the eerie right um yeah they're not quite on par with the uh, river folk but they're pretty darn close yeah they're pretty darn close and they have the flexibility to like make it happen at the end of the game if they really just need a couple of points to get across the finish line and their card draw is so good that like, yeah they can really make use of it you know yeah that's yeah you might even say they're better than the river folk because the river folk it costs them actions to draw cards but that being said there's no limit really to how many cards the river folk can draw they can really yeah, go searching if they want just, everything's a little uncertain with the river folk but for the moles you can kind of set it up and just go nuts you can really go nuts with crafting as uh, as the moles um so okay let's talk about the different decks and what we should be kind of keeping our eyes out for obviously all the item cards that give us points you're going to have to make up that 12-point gap just like the River Folk. So mm-hmm. crafting those items, very important. But beyond that, Sam, what tell us about the base deck and what, what should we be looking out for? Yeah, well, we already have an insane action economy, but any card that we can craft that essentially replaces a lord... Um, wait, is it a lord or a minister? A minister. minister. Any card that we can craft that replaces a minister means that we have another action on our turn or we can use our swaying resources elsewhere. So a card like Better Burrow Bank that gets us an extra card is obvious. Cards are everything. And any of these reveal factions, like the Moles or the Lizards, always having extra cards on our turn is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would say anything like with an extra move, like Cobbler or something could be good because then you don't have to sway the Marshal if you've got something like Cobbler right because that's a free move every turn in daylight well that's what my minister does but i don't have to risk ever losing it now a card like tax collector is awesome right the idea of getting extra cards stand and deliver same thing we're taking those cards from other people uh sappers and armorers definitely have their place because again we can turtle really good and having those defensive cards are key Especially cards that are bird cards, and we'd lose if we swayed with them anyway. Yeah, it's like sometimes they won't stick around until your crafting step, but if you can craft them, sappers and armorers can really give you some lasting power. Um, even on the offensive as well, I, I do want to say, like, armorers is an offensive craft as much as it is a defensive craft. I mean, I think, like, something like Command Warren could be really key too if. If you don't have your whole Bridget Mayer situation online yet, uh, that extra battle could be something you need to gain control of a clearing. And again, now we never have to worry about swaying the captain, which we probably weren't going to anyway. Yeah. Um, What about uh, Royal Claim? I mean, that's fun. I think just for the edge case of getting the extra point for the thing, it's fun. Though, Kyle, we'll talk about this in the strategies, but the molds tend to take what? Two or three clearings? They don't really spread out that much. Yeah, ruling clearings is not something that they do in mass, like the Eerie or, or right. anything else. They, they they tend to just, yeah, focus on a couple of clearings if they're going to build buildings. And then beyond that, they just want to have, like, a warrior in spread out, like solo moles, I've called them, in, in random mm-hmm. clearings. Yeah. Just little scouts. Yeah, and something like Cobbler can be uh, helpful for setting it up for a future turn, I guess. That's I right. forget, Cobbler's right. an evening. Yeah, it's so an that's, evening yeah. activation. Um, All right. What about the ENP deck? Yeah, let's talk about the ENP. Swap Me is great. If you have a card that you're not going to be using, hopefully you can get a card from somebody else that you can use this turn. Charm Offensive, again, the timing is weird. 
Um, but we craft an evening, so we might be able to luck into a card that we can craft. Right. It's at the start of evening. Yeah. Yeah. And more, a lot more so than the lizards. I talked about how charm offensive wasn't that good for the lizards. Cause not only do you have to luck into something that you're going to craft right now, but then the outcast suit is also like a lucky part of it, but the moles don't have to worry about that. The moles oftentimes, if you get your buildings in a certain situation, you could basically craft every card. Right. Charm Offensive is a one that I, I almost want to have its own conversation about because giving another person a point feels like a real thing and very situational. So, like, uh, are they more – is the point even the consideration or do we we really care more about the fact that at the start of the evening we draw a card and then who cares about the point? Yeah, I think moles might be able to – they can win a race. You right. Know? You can give the point to someone who's – and it's going to be pretty inconsequential yeah. probably. Okay. But uh, – an extra card is is good, especially for curating our hand to make sure that we're swaying the right lord or whatever. But uh, it's nice that it's an optional ability. You know, what's also good a free point on your turn, a free point when that you score off your turn. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's maybe it's just me. Maybe maybe I'm just being. Uh, there's a psychology to it. Whenever I see it, I'm always like, I don't want to give. Uh, yeah. Derek Garrick had this conversation with me a long time ago where he was like, this, you know, you can use this as a bartering chip too, of like giving somebody a point. And yes, I thought that's, that's really point. creative that's and I haven't point. really used it that way, but I see its potential there. Yeah. I love it's that. It's something idea. that other players yes. can lobby you for, mm -hmm. which I think is kind of interesting. Um, I've tried mm -hmm. to do that in mm -hmm. many games mm -hmm. where I'm just like, Hey, give me that charm offensive point and I will <laughs> stay off your back. I will like help you out in this one clearing or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you out. can you can actually get like you can deputize somebody or kind of use that as a, a, a you know plane of negotiation. Did you charm them? Did it work? It did. Yeah, you think they would be charming me, but it was, it was kind of the other way around. It <laughs> works sometimes. It works sometimes. Uh, some other cards sure, sure. Okay. to uh, be considered here: Marine Broker is great. Whenever someone else crafts an item or drawing a card. That's great. And then Master Engravers. This one, I think, is really deadly in the hands of the molds because we're so good at crafting all the items. Getting an extra point for each item we craft, you can just go ham on it, honestly. You can... Every bag becomes two points. Every tea is three points. A coin is four points. Yeah, that's you can craft wild. all these things. You don't have to like choose a lane of suits usually with the moles in the same way. So yeah, especially with a strategy like pump and dump, you can actually go really nuts with something like master engravers early on. Yeah, um, uh, I have here that partisans feels like a mixed bag. Uh, obviously, you can always choose to use partisans or not, so it, you can craft it without any worries. And because cards kind of come and go out of our hand a little bit more freely than like like the lizards or something i think crafting it makes some sense just for that situation when you can afford to discard the cards you might use to sway in order to defend yourself in order to not pay the price of failure right which i'm shocked that we haven't like really discussed yet price of failure yeah. but um I do want to throw one more out there, which is false orders. I think it's actually a really, really good craft for the moles. Yeah. Um, we've discussed you have all these military options, but when you have false orders in play as well, you can just get people away from their cardboard and then just go and take it with a couple of battles. Yeah. False orders, really nice. I love false to orders. Have yeah, Lord of the Board's favorite card, and I think that I think that matches up with the duchy in a really nice way. Yeah, for sure. 
Another card I have here is Eerie Emigre. Uh, it seems pretty good because it's basically like a lord. <laughs> you know, it is... Or not a lord. It's basically like another minister. It You uh, have to move in battle. Um, we generate warriors for free every turn. And we have, like, free moves we can use to get those guys back after that birdsong attack, right? Um, and because it's a bird card, it's not like we're, we'd be losing it if we swayed with it anyway. So I think Eerie Emigre is something that is a little bit more costly for other factions and is pretty cheap for us to pull off every turn. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a certain setup that works well with Eerie Emigre. Like, if you're going to go in that direction, like, you probably have a couple of buildings out in order to craft it. So mm -hmm. if you have some Citadels in play, that's going to be, you know, best case scenario. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to maybe kind of push back on this a little bit. I think, like, Eerie Emigre is kind of unnecessary. I can see that. Over the malls. Um, yeah. Like, they've, they've got the moves in the battles kind of anyway. So I, I don't know. But if it's if the board state is for it, then you know go for it. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they definitely don't lack for actions after right. a certain point. Right. Um, I I guess like yeah, you're right because what what minister is this replacing? It's replacing like Bridget or something, and we're never going to not get Bridget in any of these bull strategies, yeah. right? There's not much. one that's yeah. Yeah, right. Brigadier is a really good first turn sway, kind of no matter what. Like <laughs> I said, it's the backbone of your action economy. You might as well just get it early. Yeah. Um, and you get points but, for swaying her, so, like, yeah. why do Eerie Emigre? Right. Yeah. It as a bird card. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I can't believe we missed this, but we should talk about Price of Failure really fast. Because yeah. this is the main weakness of the Duchy. We've been just chatting this whole time. We're like, oh, the Duchy's so strong. It's like. <laughs> underrepresented in terms of tournament wins, not reach its potential. There's all these strategies. You sound just like us. Thank you. You sound exactly. That's like uncanny. <laughs> but the price of failure is the the thing. Yeah. That takes the duchy and just like puts it in the trash can during yeah. the game. <laughs> price of failure. Incredibly painful. Whenever a building is destroyed. <laughs> The, apparently the like parliament gets very upset mm -hmm. you know there's nothing liberals hate more than a poorly run war <laughs> and all the all the you know ministers and all that they uh they get together and they grumble and then they send you a stern letter and it forces you to lose a swayed minister all right starting with the lords mm. if you don't have any lords then it's nobles so the highest ranking Minister, if you have more than one, you get to pick. You have to lose that minister, all right? You're losing your ability to score points. You're losing actions, whatever it is. And this is why uh, it's good that Kyle's ranked choice voting system is not a part of it. Because if it is the same level, you do get to choose which minister you lose, which is right. nice. So uh, I've seen a lot of times when the moles get into a certain position, they're just swaying for the points, and for the defense of when the building is destroyed, I'll just choose some of these lesser ministers that I don't care about as much that aren't as integral to my strategy to keep the ones that are integral safe. Yeah, they're like a shield. They're like right. a expendable extra one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but not only do you lose a minister, you lose a random card from your hand. Yeah, it's right? pretty and painful. Th oh, that just hurts so much. It's your ability to do stuff, you know? Yeah, especially if they, they kill a market. 
and oh. they're taking a card, so then you can't draw as many cards next turn to make up for it. It's kind of like the lizards, but I will say, if you get both your buildings knocked out in the same attack, it's only one price of failure. That's right. That's a little bit of a fine point, but it is very important. Yeah. That's uh, losing two buildings in two attacks is like, yeah, you're you're just crying in a corner after that. Um, <laughs> but not only do you lose the building, the minister, and the card from your hand, you also lose that crafting piece. Yeah. Yeah, and probably all the warriors that were guarding it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just challenging. It's really tough. And that's really why this faction, I think, plays out in a turtley way. Because yeah. the price of failure sucks, and you're trying to avoid it at all costs. They are right. reinforced to be turtles in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like they're backing up their aggressive plan <laughs> just to turtle. You know, yeah, just like so many, so many of their tactics re- revolve around just playing it a little safe and poking out. Like the, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the instances where we do want to venture out is to get moles in position so they can trigger a sway ability, largely, right? Because military options yeah. are pretty. Op- we should be opportunistic about those when playing the moles. I think that's actually a a, a really. A really succinct way of putting that, Jake. Okay. Yeah, great. you want to be very judicious and very opportunistic about those military operations. And that's where, like, dig can come into play. You know, mm-hmm. popping a tunnel on the other side of the map and sending, you know, four of your moles to the surface to, to attack some, like, weak cardboard. That's a very opportunistic way to be thinking. Um, and that, I feel like that tends to be the way that the Underground Duchy does best when they're trying to suppress other factions. Right. All right. I think we can't avoid it any longer, guys. We have to start talking about the the forks in the road, the different builds of the moles. All of this discussion we've had so far, this is like just so much exposition to get to the meat of our discussion. Now you have the tools, the knowledge, the background in order to uh, go with us down the many pathways of a mole game. And we can't, it's one podcast. We can't talk about all of these exhaustively. I'm sorry. I want to. I've been not eating for days. So that I can Kyle, talk you got to eat food. We never said that you had to stop eating food, Kyle. We just asked you to play some moles games. You know, my, my body has not voted for food in several days. Oh no. Um. So I, I've limited our discussion to five strategies. Okay. Five game plans for the moles. And to make matters slightly more confusing, some of these do kind of dovetail into each other, and you can kind of transition from some of these into others. But I think these are kind of the primary five strains of mole strategy that exist here in 2021. (laughs) Right. Where we are right now. I mean, we talked up this faction's uh, flexibility, right? So the idea that these strains could be in the same game, right? You could start out doing one and transition to another or some kind of, it looks like a hybrid of the two. We're just trying to put names to strategies so that we all have a better idea of what is happening in a game of Root. A traditionally hard game to understand. (laughs) Yeah. And this one's a little little hairy. So let's get into it. I would say the number one, kind of like A1 sort of intended strategy from leader games about the moles we've termed swole mole mm-hmm. all right this is the strategy where you build a citadel on turn one 
sway the marshal or the formal or whatever, and you just kind of camp out on a couple of clearings, swaying ministers and just protecting your stuff mm-hmm. for as long as possible. So swole here refers to like your military might. You might have a high warrior count because you're prioritizing citadels here and being able to go out and attack other factions. Is that the plan? Yeah. So you have enough of a military presence, enough of a military footprint to spend that capital on like an an attack here or there. But primarily you just want to like kind of stock up on warriors in these clearings with your buildings because what you're afraid of is price of failure and you're just kind of stocking up on ministers as much as you can, you know, swaying one every turn. Um, you basically start with the Citadel and then go into markets after that, but you're really focusing on two clearings. Okay. Probably not more than that. So swole it, is two big, strong clearings. Exactly. Yeah. You want it okay. to be as intimidating and sort of buff looking as possible. And like, okay. you're looking at those other factions. You're like, oh, oh yeah, you yeah. can't touch this. Right. <laughs> and then every once in a while you send like one like lone scout mole into an adjacent, adjacent clearing in order to sway. Right. Yeah. Um, swole mole is from what I can tell, this is like the way that leader intended the moles to be kind of played in a basic sense mm-hmm. all right and then something happened what something happened? something happened about a year ago there was an innovation in mole strategy it was the summer <laughs> i remember i was merely a boy it was hot but my life had already <laughs> changed i emerged from my tunnel blinking in the sunlight and i looked around and there were no buildings and i nope. thought what sort of mole society am I from? <laughs> this, of course, we're referring to small mole. Yeah, right? not swole mole. This one's small. S-M-O-L mole. If there's one thing that the duchy loves, it's rhyming. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is this is wild, you guys, because I remember this. I remember somebody's like, well, if you never build a building, then you'll never have price of failure. And bum, for a bum, summer, bum. yeah, for a summer when we're like, uh-oh, the moles are broken, right? And You'll this... never fail if you never try. <laughs> right, yeah. It did feel like, oh, wait, so you found a way to not engage with the game, and that's the best strategy? And it felt like, oh, no, that's going to be uh, super OP, you know? Okay, so let's give the broad strokes of this strategy yeah, sorry. really fast. Small mole. It's like small, but it's small, <laughs> but also mole. What you basically do is you're you're aiming to get only tunnels out on the map. You're going to be swaying a minister per turn. And eventually you're getting up to the Duchess of Mud and just protecting those tunnels. Okay. Now, obviously, what this means is there's no price of failure. Duchess of Mud is a perma addition to your roster. Okay, and you can obviously dig before you get to your minister actions. So if you lose a tunnel, you just get it right back. All right, right. it's super nice. Um, in this way, without doing very much of anything, you're just going to be scoring a bunch of points every turn. Kind of like slowly building up your, your mole army and uh, just kind of popping around the map with your tunnels, doing kind of whatever you want without interacting very much, and you just score points and win. Sway every turn. Like, it's very easy to suddenly have a large presence. 
Right. I mean, you, you, in, the, in this strategy, you're definitely trying to get all the points you can from swaying. Uh, because you can do that with abandon because you don't have to worry about ever losing them. Um, and you're going to get two points a turn from Duchess of Mud. But you're not going to craft anything, right? Like, I, I guess I'm like, I, I, as I've seen it play out, it does run out of steam, this strategy. It's it's not the fastest scoring strategy in the world. Right. Um, and because you have no buildings, you're kind of stuck on like a low economy kind of setting, right? You're drawing one card per turn. You're recruiting one mole to the burrow automatically at the start of your turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I've seen this played is you're, you're going to be doing a lot of manual recruiting during your daylight, using those actions to just recruit or right. dig. Um, and then just doing your best to sway. So we had small mole, very hard to stop. It turned out there is a weakness to, sm- to small mole, which is um, they're very warrior poor. Mm-hmm. So battling any of the warriors, getting rid of a tunnel, it's very expensive to replace in a small mole type of setting. And so players got smart and started doing a hybrid approach, which is start small and then transition <laughs> to swole. <laughs> Damn it. Some, some place in the mid game. You find a good point, you start building buildings, and then kind of get your engine online. Okay. Yeah, it, it turned out that the unbeatable strategy, if you um, attacked the moles, then it would be <laughs> over. So. Yeah, there was a lot of hysteria surrounding Myth busted small on that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So it turns out small mole is not invincible. But I, I would say that to this day, it's still like a fairly common approach. Yeah, I mean, I think it it changed the meta in terms of like where we prioritize buildings, for sure. The idea of like, they are liabilities. It felt like the Lizard Gardens to me, where I'm like, it is a liability to have that thing on on the map. So you have yeah. to be ready to defend it. Yeah. And small mode actually gives you some flexibility too to kind of decide and pick and choose like where and when you're going to build that first building mm-hmm. so that you can actually kind of defend it or make it so that it's just like expensive to reach or battle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you go small right off the get-go and just commit to a clearing, like sometimes that can be a big mistake because then you're kind of set, you know? Mm-hmm. And even if somebody's building up right next to you, like, well, you can't, you can't unbuild that market. Like you just got to like really dig in and kind of bite the bullet. So small gives you a bit of flexibility, transition into small so you can craft, and then kind of close out the game. That's like one branch of mole strategies. All right, we good? We feel like we get this? Yeah, yeah, I'm there, I'm there. All right, we got three more. <laughs> Jesus Christ, okay. Um, this one is a bit less common, but I want to bring it up first because it is... Um, I think it's really cool and it's really neat the way that it uses the components of the duchy uh, in, in, in a conscious way to be like a complete strategy. To me, this is the greediest possible strategy for the moles and it paints a huge target on your back from the get-go, so it's a big risk. Mm-hmm. But if you can get it online and keep it going, it's incredibly powerful. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is Mole Mart. Mole Mart. Oh. All right, Mole Mart. Welcome to Mole Mart. <laughs> what would you buy at Mole Mart? Shovels, uh, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> Gloves, <laughs> specially it. sized for those big forelimbs. <laughs> oh. 
Digging yeah. goggles? Yeah. Hit us up with another mole fact here, Jake. What what else could you get at a mole mart? <laughs> well, moles are known <laughs> pests to human activities such as agriculture, lawn care, and gardening. They do not eat plant roots, but cause damage indirectly by eating earthworms and other small invertebrates to the soil. So while moles may be viewed as pests, they do provide many positive contributions to the soil, gardens, and ecosystem. But don't tell my dad that because he hates them. <laughs> my father-in-law hates the moles too he those are his enemies in the neighborhood which by the neighborhood i mean his lawn which gets torn up <laughs> by the moles the moles get off my neighborhood they dig in his clearing and he gets pissed and he has to police them and he doesn't like it <laughs> yeah it sucks yeah, I mean, they are hard to police mm -hmm. yeah i mean god god help him if they build a market though in his yard like <laughs> so mole mart kyle is we are focusing almost solely on markets, right? Markets. <laughs> markets. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so the the main idea with Walmart is you want to use the card wealth of the duchy to its maximum potential, mm -hmm. and that means markets. So you're going to be building markets in the early game in order to draw cards and then sway uh, more advanced ministers really early such as the Baron of Dirt, which scores points based on markets. We talked about this feedback loop earlier. Mm -hmm. This is brought to its fullest kind of iteration with Momart. Uh, in Momart, the one thing you want to focus on as well is the banker. Mm -hmm. um, because if you are drawing a bunch of cards every turn, you can easily refill your hand if you discard it for points. So if you have banker and mayor online, I mean, think of the points you can score just off a normal hand. Right? Like, you can probably score, like, two to three points almost guaranteed in every hand. And if you're refreshing three or four cards per turn, like, you're, you're just going to go yeah. nuts. Like, you can discard cards once you have your ministers up and running and then score points for markets. Like, it's, you know, it's potentially a very fast way to just close the game out. Uh, so, Molmar, again, we are probably holding to two clearings is this the idea it's like wool mole except for focusing on markets and the yeah. duchess or baron of dirt yeah exactly yeah it's, it's definitely in that world and you want to at all costs protect those markets and it turns out that it's it's a little bit difficult to do if you're focusing just on the economic side because you will not have enough warriors to like hold it down the whole time like you're going to spend both of those daylight actions recruiting and just really trying to hang on and and curl up into a ball. Um, and yeah, you're right. The drawback is you don't get out on the map or apply any pressure most of the time. And uh, that price of failure, it's going to really hurt. You know, mm -hmm. if you um, just have the Baron of Dirt suede of the Lords and you lose that, like that's a big part of your scoring. So uh, Molmart is greedy and scores a lot of points, but it's kind of fragile. Right. right. I mean, it turns out attacking the moles it turns out to be a good way to slow them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's this weird kryptonite that all these factions have is if you attack them, they get hurt. Right. Yeah. So I feel like it's very rare to see Molmart in its kind of purest, racing, greediest possible form. Mm -hmm. I think that's generally a bit rare. Yeah. Uh, because it's so easy to topple. Instead, what you'll see is someone building, like, a market first, and then a citadel, and then another market, and then swaying 
uh, the Baron of Dirt, and then kind of doing this like hybrid approach. Yeah. Uh, which is again the ki- the same kind of thing that we had seen with Small uh, Mole. Right. Um, so th- these kind of hybrid approaches are are starting to become more of the norm. Uh, okay. That's Mole Mart in its purest form. Yeah. Just kind of laying that out. That's another branch of the mole tree. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have another branch, which is very new to the scene. You know, it's just a couple of months old at this point, but I think it deserves a mention on our show. Yeah, and it that's does. Pump and dump. All right. This is, uh, this is wild. This is, yeah. this is like rivaling the summer of small mole in its kind of initial splash in the root community. Um, and I think, of pump and dump is if it's possible maybe even greedier than walmart <laughs> that's what i was gonna say when you said it was the greediest i was like oh you're obviously gonna be talking about p and d here but uh you went with walmart yeah because i think p and d is by far the greediest it is just the most i dare you to race me mode you can play root in i think so it's a little bit anti-moles yeah. <laughs> At least in turn like anti like the whole concept of how this faction kind of was intended to be played. Yeah. But it turns out it's still viable because the moles have a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. So pump and dump is you are focusing on crafting cards and building mm-hmm. buildings and kind of just moving around a little bit and doing those things. Uh the ministers of note are very expendable in this kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Basically what you want to do is Immediately build a market and either recruit or build another market. <laughs> if you have the bandwidth, like sway one thing, like maybe the formal or the martial. Yeah. And then just start crafting immediately. All right. What you want to do with Pump and Up is just abandon your buildings, move around the map, you know, still having rules so you can build more. Uh, get your crafting pieces up and running, be drawing as many cards as possible. And just craft all the time. Um, you want to make the, up that gap, that 12-point gap that the moles experience with you know their Swede ministers. And the the way the Pump and Dump goes about it is just like aggressively crafting right off the bat. And sometimes, if you get really lucky with your card draw, you can score a ton of points. You can get over 20 points in like four turns. Yeah. Uh, there's actually, there's a... a a video that Nebuchadnezzar, uh, listener to the show, shouts to Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. uh, has made of, I think, Fugless um, employing the strategy. And I think it's turn five. He's at 24 points. Everyone else <laughs> yeah. is, like, under 10. Yeah. Whoa. And it's just this wild thing where, like, yeah, you can you can really go crazy with Pump and Dump. Yeah. The idea here, too, is that, like, every turn is new. You don't have to worry about this turtling and protecting the buildings. You've resigned yourself to you're going to lose some some uh, things, uh, some ministers, but you have the formal, usually, which allows you to dig somewhere, build something for your two daylight actions, use your formal to build another thing there, and then craft the cards you need to craft. So that, like, every turn you're just really rearranging where the buildings are, daring other people to waste their turns and actions, destroying your stuff, only just to pop up somewhere else in the vacuum that they created to just plop down more crafters and craft more cards. Right. It's it's hard to deal with. It is hard to deal with, but it is extremely RNG-dependent, which makes it risky i would say it's like extremely risky 
and if it doesn't work, then you've just really fallen flat on your face <laughs> and you don't have a lot of ways to yeah. get back into the game. You're not going to recover if you... I remember the first time I tried this, it was like right after Neb's video went up. Because I was like, what is this strategy that people are doing with the moles? You know, is it, is it the summer of small mole all over again, I thought. <laughs> and uh, when I, I employed it the first, strat or first time I could on TTS, and someone goes, oh, he's doing that thing from the video. We have to stop him. And it was like, oh, people are already playing against it. And I didn't. Yeah, you can fall flat on your face pretty good if you don't. If you don't, if <laughs> you get attacked really video. early on, if people know what you're doing, if they will stop it. Yeah. And it's extremely, like, identifiable. Yeah. Especially if you, like, abandon a building. <laughs> Just like, come on. Everyone this knows guy. what's up. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's pumping up. It, it, potentially very strong, but it's a big risk. You're swinging for the fences on the first pitch with mm -hmm. Pump and Dump. So it can, it can really go well or it can fail. Last uh, kind of strategic avenue that I want to identify here is called Sway and Pray. Mm -hmm. And I think this is... It's one of those things where like late game in a moles game, if you're not having the best time... Um, you'll occasionally see players kind of abandon a well-fortified position and just to move out on the map and have pieces in random clearings so that they can sway ministers every turn, kind of no matter what. Yep. They'll give up infrastructure. It's, it's, you know, Pump and Dump does this with cards. Sway and Pray does this with swaying ministers. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's, is that an accurate characterization of this approach, Sam? Yeah, I think so. And like Sway and Pray, I don't think is like a strategy you employ at the beginning of a game. It's just kind of like a situation you find yourself in of like, the best thing I can do is just Sway and Pray. <laughs> you know what I mean? It feels like more of a, an act of desperation than it does like your ideal strategy. Does that sound right, Kyle? I guess so, yeah. I I also wonder, I, I, this to me feels like pretty compatible with a lot of these other strategies where like later yeah. on in the game, you'll kind of, you know, whatever else is happening on the board, you just kind of get to the clearings you need to get to in order to sway. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's basically, it's prioritizing finding the right clearings for yourself. Mm -hmm. When does the heat turn on? Because I feel like the heat, as soon as you get into like, <laughs> lord territory like people look at you I, that happened to me in a hundred percent of my games and by that i mean both and <laughs> i just didn't i knew people were definitely like well we can't let them have we can't let jake have that lord right now because that's gonna seal the deal i think the person that said that was kyle yeah that sounds <laughs> right um yeah i i would say like the, the most one of the things that makes them uh, that puts the heat on the moles is building any buildings mm. and gaining points. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I feel like people have this instinctive, like, fear of the moles because we've all seen them get out of control at one point or another. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the heat turns on as soon as you build a building and as soon as you sway like a lord of any kind. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, as soon as people see you scoring passive points, it's it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, I think the, the heat turns on the moles, like kind of in the mid game, unless they're going for pump and dump or mole mart, right. in which case it's the early earlier. game. Yeah. I, I think that it, it just, the moles can turtle. And so you have to get to them before they're doing that, you know? 
I think you have to judge their position, like how online are they? Uh, because once once they have, especially a couple citadels out, and they can just reinforce a thing with four moles every turn, uh, that's going to be a problem. And you had to have already been on it, right? So let's talk about the mid game. Um, right. In the mid game, for the moles, pretty much regardless of whatever strategic uh, branch you've chosen to walk down or dig into, you're going to want to try and sway a minister on most of your turns. This is the core of their scoring mechanic. You want to try and do that as much as possible. Unless you're doing pump and dump. All right? Just whatever. It, this is just going to keep you in the running heading into the later part of the game. It's going to keep you level with most of the other players at the table. It's going to add to your action economy. Think about swaying those ministers in most normal games. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's like 15 caveats after everything I say. But <laughs> in general, if you're going a whole turn or two without swaying any ministers you're actually just losing potential actions for your future yeah all right just think of the position you could have been in if you had swayed one minister last time i just like to think about that so with that in mind if you have that as your north star on most average duchy turns it actually really helps to focus your game plan for that turn we've talked about how the the turns can get kind of lengthy for the duchy focusing on having your pieces in the right clearings to sway the minister that you want to sway in your next turn is going to help to kind of like focus down your your energy. Okay? Yeah. By choosing where you want your pieces to end up, you help to streamline your turn and minimize those walkbacks and undos that kind of plague the duchy. Right. This is this is just from a like uh, quality of life standpoint <laughs> yeah. from playing the duchy. Okay. Yeah. So in addition to this, um, realize you can actually just send one mole into a clearing and that counts as a piece in that clearing you don't have to rule it yeah you don't have to have anything else there even it could a just tunnel. be like an abandoned tunnel is fine yeah. having and th- well, i actually really love sending solo moles out onto the map because if you have enough of them out there it costs you very little in terms of your defense and it's very hard to deal with everything on your opponent's turns and even if they spend like their limited action economy battling like one mole in a random clearing, like that doesn't set you back that much. And it's easy to replace that guy. And if they decide to go after your main kind of turtled up area instead, you know, even if they crack through it, like you still have that mole out on the map to help you sway next turn. So it's a good insurance policy to send solo moles out onto the map. Yeah. Like uh, I, I haven't never seen that where it's just like, throwing a bunch of solo moles in a in a lot of clearings i haven't seen a lot of that i love that especially because you you know that it takes it just it takes their actions much less that you worry about losing the moles more it's like you're you're starving their economy a little bit their action economy that is Uh um and And for no points right a warrior sucks right 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 no i love that i I think i'm going to utilize that more in my third game yeah, and usually you have like a, a move or two to spare on on most turns as well. So like that that's a doable just a, a good way to kind of approach swag yeah. ministers turn after turn. Okay, so we're in the mid game. We're going to be taking heat from the table, uh, like we mentioned. So depending on your strategy, you could kind of get ahead of this by attacking your rivals early to limit their ability to build up right next to you, for example. Mm-hmm. Or if your rivals are reaching out to attack you. Chances are they're leaving some clearing a little bit under-defended behind that. Yeah. So, in this case, Dig is your friend. Use Dig to conduct little raids on certain clearings. 
Now, I've seen this in every strategy like guide out there about the duchy. It's like, use dig to surprise your enemies. And that's so much easier said than done. Yeah. It's so much easier said than dug. Because, like, <laughs> it costs a card to dig. And right. you're you're using the mo- whatever moles you've accumulated in the burrow are going into that dig effort for the most part. So, like, it's got to be freaking worth it. Yeah. Uh, so be extremely judicious about how you use that. And just know that if you use dig kind of too early and split your forces, that can actually be a giant weakness. Yeah. But isn't dig the reason you're amassing forces in your burrow? Isn't that the point? Because, I mean, you're going to move – you can move them out anyway with move actions, but dig throws four of them in a clearing. Or are you saying that you need to be right. cautious because you're doing it in enemy lands? You need to be a bit cautious. Well, there's actually there's a more defensive way to use dig as well, which is you can dig into like an obscure edge clearing in order to right. build your buildings there in the mid game. Right. Um, the other thing about the mid game is like you, the, uh, the other players at the table have kind of already set up their areas, and so you can take a fresh look at the board and say where's a good clearing for me to be, you know, especially if you're if you've opened with like small mole or something like that, you've kind of allowed the board to crystallize a bit. So that you now have all the information and can decide where it is you want to set up your camp. Mm-hmm. Um, with that in mind, you can actually just go ahead and dig into like a totally unoccupied clearing or like some kind of obscure clearing behind like a bunch of lizard gardens, for example. Mm-hmm. Something that's hard to access. And uh, then just kind of build up in that spot. So there's actually there's a couple of ways you can use dig to help you out in the mid game. Um, but offensive use of dig is totally valid. Just... Make sure that it's worth the effort. <laughs> yeah, probably not an early move. I think you're right. You got to make sure you're taking care of you first before you get yes. to do super secret spy operations behind enemy <laughs> lines. Exactly. It's important to not miss those opportunities. But even more than that, if you lose your military force as the duchy going into the end game, it's very hard to win. Yeah. It's extremely hard. You need to reach the end game with a little bit of force intact. Mm-hmm. All right. Because don't forget, you have to rule a clearing in order to build something there. Right. And to craft stuff, you need to be able to build. So you need your military force in order to craft. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like, a lot of these things are all like linked together for the duchy. So in, in a strategy like pump and dump, like if you go way too hard on that and you burn out and you lose all your warriors, it, it can just be kind of prohibitive yeah. to get started again. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us to the end game okay. and finding the win. Whatever path you've chosen for the duchy. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's multiple ways to close out a game, which is really exciting. <laughs> um, if you have a lot of ministers and warriors, if you've really focused on uh, accumulating like a lot of those minister actions, you're going to probably have like a big action economy, so moving and battling cardboard is is going to be a mm-hmm. valid way to kind of close out the game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can like dig Move in battle, sway a minister, you're good. If you have a lot of buildings and cards, then uh, like Molemart, for example, crafting and banker, uh, mayor and banker can really close out a game. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you've gone small mole, this is the time to go swole. Build some buildings, craft some stuff, put those warriors to work, battling cardboard. Um. Uh, so I guess, yeah, I'm advocating a transition. So, like, pure small mole, I, I don't think, is going to um, outrace anybody. So right. go for yeah. that. 
Uh, these, these are just some examples, but th- there's like three or four ways in any duchy game to like eke out those last couple of points. Um, whether that's from swaying, battling, crafting, discarding cards, like it's a it's a feast, it's a cornucopia <laughs> of point scoring. Yeah, and I've seen them I've seen them burst at the end and take it out of nowhere, like score ten points on the final turn or something. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen it where they fall short to like twenty seven points, but they've in that turn they moved and battled so much that they get another turn. Everyone else can take another turn, and they for sure have it locked up on their next turn. Uh, yeah. So I, I've seen all kinds of duchy wins like that, and I think that goes to show you how many different paths there are towards the end. Yeah. Uh, Sam, what's striking distance for the malls? Oh, yeah. I mean, if they're fully online, like I said, I've seen 10 points in the final turn because you can sway for three. Um, if you have any of the lords elected, you can get two or three points from that. So that's five or six points apart from crafting anything for two or three points and then moving and battling for things like that. I can get to 10 points so easily. And that's not a crazy turn at the end of the game. Yeah. I'm just talking about having one Lord and then having some actions right? and a card to craft, right? That's not crazy with our card draw. I, I, I think they have one of the strongest punches at the end, provided they're online and haven't been popped. And provided you have a force to do that with. Like, hanging on to those warriors is actually pretty important. Yeah. uh, Just so that you can close it out. Yeah. So, yeah. That's uh, that's kind of the general strategic overview of the malls. Specifically general as we are. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sam, have you ever seen the malls go for a dominance victory? I don't know if I've ever seen them win with a dominance victory. But I feel like they have a good toolkit for it, right? I guess so. Like, I mean, they can field a, a decently sized army, that's for sure. They can get to a lot of clearings very easily. Right. Right. And they can recruit They recruit like nobody's business. It feels like the moles have one of the best opportunities to get dominance on that second go-around. Usually it's like you claim dominance and it either happens that round or you're not going to win. Um. And I feel like the moles might be able to like keep hanging on to that dominance chance just because their, you know, their uh, warrior count can just keep rising. Right, that. and they can access maybe like all four of a given suit or the corners pretty easily. I would think the corners would be the way to go with the moles. Yeah, be very challenging to stop. I feel like the moles would have the best chance of like picking two corners, mm-hmm. two opposite corners. Uh, getting shut down and then just going for the other two corners on the next <laughs> turn and like yeah. making that work somehow. That's fine. That's insane. Um, in, in tournament play, this has not been tried. No yep. one's attempted a dominance victory with the moles because I, I they're just good at racking up the points <laughs> yeah. normally. Yeah. It never feels like, oh, oh, my shot is lost. I should go for dominance. It's like, no matter what your hopes look like, it's like, it's still probably better to go for points with the moles. So, yeah. So dominance, again, we're not recommending it, but uh, moles, yeah, I don't know. Give it a shot. I don't know. Have some fun. Yeah. It's not, Maybe there's a situation where you can do it. Yeah. All right. So some weaknesses, just some things to look out for. Obviously, we've talked about price of failure. Yeah. Um, But also this faction has a very limited action economy at the start of the game. Right. You have to be very efficient at the beginning of the game or else you threaten to set yourself back a couple of turns. Right. Um, early actions have a big ripple effect for the duchy. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I see prioritized in a lot of high-level games is actually just recruiting 
early in the game. Um, mm. Don't don't underestimate the power of an early recruit to just keep your stuff safe that extra turn. Um, if you underdevelop with the malls, you can actually get wiped out by a stronger faction in the mid game. So be sure to like keep those those warrior counts healthy. I think you're right, Kyle. I think that that actually has a lot to do with why these strategies need names is because it's like those early choices is what we're talking about when these strategies get defined. Because in the mid game and stuff, like we said, they transition, they braid into each other. There's ways these strategies develop. But at the beginning of the game, those actions really define what your shape of the game is going to look like. A good example is uh, the I so I played a tournament game as the moles on the lake map, and I spent my first turn digging a tunnel and swaying the captain. All right, and you'll notice that was not mentioned anywhere in any of the strategies. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually I spent the rest of that game like really paying for that opening decision. Mm. Like I was extremely low on warriors. Like I had this battle, but I didn't even use it every turn. Like I I should yeah. have gone for the marshal. Like it's so so much more has so much more utility early in the game yeah um and like digging a tunnel it just cost me a card on my first turn and that like was extremely costly to replace Mm -hmm. uh it meant that i was actually stuck on squires for about three turns after that point Mm -hmm. so like you have to be really um intentional about your opening turn or two with the duchy because it really does ripple forward uh, it's a hard, a hard learned lesson, but one that is well worth learning mm-hmm. for this faction. And I think that's actually one of the reasons why it's underperformed in tournaments, is because those first decisions have such a big impact on your yeah. tempo in the game. That makes sense. That like, you know, if you don't have a lot of experience with this faction and you see a new situation and you react to it by doing something that's like not very optimal, like it can really set you back. So be judicious. Um, Play a couple games as the moles just to like practice different openings. Um, make mistakes, learn from them. But just remember that what what you decide on turn one and two has an impact on the game in a pretty big way. Uh, yeah, I think like heat we could consider to be a weakness, especially mm-hmm. as people play more, they get more and more afraid of the moles. Here's I think one of the fear factors of the moles is you see them build their buildings and you see cards in their hand. And if you can see that they're clearly going to craft something on their next turn, that gives you all the more incentive to be like, this is the round we have to hit them, guys. Mm-hmm. We yeah. have to take away one of their lords so they don't craft the coins and all that, you know? Yeah, you are going to be the enemy. It's going to be a 3v1 at some point if you're playing yeah. as the duchy. Yeah. Pretty much always. Yeah. Um, it's also hard to stay, like, it's hard to shade your points as the duchy, I think. Yeah. Um, just because you want to take every opportunity to score uh and a lot of the things that you do score you points so you you seem really out of control even if you're not yeah in reality totally out of control yet yeah but you can totally you can steamroll so Mm -hmm. you're gonna draw some heat uh okay let's talk about these uh these factions that we're gonna be interacting with and some of the kind of tensions that exist in a game of root okay Cats. How this is the other faction I think moles are compared to. Sometimes they say like they're the better version of the cats. But I don't really see these factions as that alike. 
The cats have a limited action economy. The moles have a huge action economy. The cats are totally spread out. The moles tend to turtle. I don't know. They don't feel similar to me. The cats don't right. want to attack. The moles have extra actions to attack. I don't know. Yeah, I just think that the cats are like, you are okay with that as the moles. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm fine playing against the cats as the duchy. Yeah. Um, the, the cats, they, they have trouble kind of concentrating their forces to like mount a, a large assault on the duchy position. And if they are going to do that, that's like their whole turn. Right. So yeah. like they set themselves back as much as you when they come out to get you. Uh, and along with that, those sawmills are delicious for mm -hmm. a dig raid. Yeah, you know, you're, you, anytime they build a sawmill, that's just like, yep, just like put another target on the map for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, cats probably have to make sure to spend as much wood as possible. You don't want clearings accumulating wood. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's just, it's, yeah. it's doomed because the brigadier is going to give you two battles. You're going to crush through whatever the defense is and then have extra battles to kind of take out all the cardboard, yeah. uh, which is a, like we mentioned, that's a victory condition for the duchy. So. Uh, keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Cats are great sources of cardboard later in the game. <laughs> How about the birds? Uh, birds actually have kind of a interesting interaction with the duchy. And there's there's a lot of games where you will see duchy and eerie in the same game. Mm -hmm. uh, they both have a tendency to just race for 30 points and kind of leave each other alone. And leave the other two factions just totally in the dust. The, the reason they'll avoid each other is because they can really harm the other. Mm -hmm. And by just leaving each other alone, they're betting that they can win the race. And in a vacuum, it can be a coin flip uh, based on the cards they draw. You know, if the, the Eerie gets some good crafting and has a, a slight lead in the action economy and can damage some mole structures, then, like, they'll, they'll win the race. But... Uh, it's the kind of thing where they'll leave each other alone until like right about the end game and then mm -hmm. they'll kind of clash and whoever wrestles their way to the top is going to win, leaving the other two factions in the dust. So, with that in mind, entanglement can be risky with the birds if you're the duchy. Uh, the birds also tend to have a lot of actions, a lot of battle actions that they can spend just taking your, your uh, military force down a notch. Yeah. Um, but also, entanglement can be very helpful as the duchy, uh, especially if you can dig into a clearing and just straight up turmoil the eerie. Like, yeah. that can be... I, I think the birds have slightly more at risk than the duchy, if I'm going to be real. Yeah, I think it depends on the card draw of the decree, essentially. If you can get a bunch of bird cards in there, the eerie have the edge. But I think you're right. The molds tend to be able to dig somewhere to turmoil the birds at one point or yeah. with the help of the table, maybe. If, um, I mean, if it really comes down to it, like they, they can do that. That's yeah. always an option in their back pocket. Um, yeah. So the Yuri has some weak points, but <sighs> this is one of those really tricky matchups. I would say. Yeah. I think you they're well really matched read the table against each other. I think like yeah. commander or whatever can really destroy the moles. Like, yeah. Especially a small mole is small mole can be really wrecked by a commander leader, especially yeah. because the birds are like so prone to destruction and it's not like so much as an action for them so much as something they gotta do. So they have yeah, to, right? So that thing we talked about, whether we're spreading out all our moles everywhere or just, we have buildings out and about, they're going to be eager to look for those opportunities where their fights actually score them points and 
that yeah. you guess. Yeah. And the the Erie will win plaudits from the table for attacking the duchy. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where in a 3v1 type of setting, you definitely are going to suffer if the Erie is a part of that equation. Um, but okay, so it, I don't really even know what the, like, recommendation here is. It's like entanglement yeah, war I, I think against them early. You just know that that's your racing opponent. You know, keep an eye on it. See who has the edge and strike first, I would say, yeah. is the moles. Or maybe try and win the PR battle against yeah, the Erie. That's true, yeah. If, if you two are actually just going to sit down and race, then the contest becomes who's the bigger threat for the other two factions and who can you ally with as mm-hmm. the duchy. So I think, like, if you're going to just sit down and purely race, just try and make friends. Mm-hmm. Try, and, try and win the... the um, you know, the meta game against them. Moving on to the Woodland Alliance. Sam, how, how are they to play against? Well, they're awful to play against, but <laughs> as the moles, they're also awful to play against. <laughs> um, especially when, like, Sympathy hits a clearing with a tunnel or any of your buildings. It's like, now you... I mean, you have the actions to deal with it. It's not a nightmare scenario like the lizards or something, but it is annoying, and you're going to give up a card from your hand this is the big cost i think is like oh all your plans to sway a higher level minister those are going away now because there's a sympathy otherwise they're going to blow up my my market clearing you know so yeah it's it's taxing on both the actions and the cards in in the hand in fact i think this is one of the best ways to just keep the duchy from running out of control (laughs) yeah i mean it's a must like you have to battle the sympathy yeah clearing yeah um Maybe in a kind of like pump and dump world, like you don't have to, but sure. pretty much any other strategy is you're going to be trying to defend those clearings. So yeah, yeah sympathy is very annoying. Um, I would say though that the, the duchy has a pretty easy time camping a Woodland Alliance base, if that's going to be a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's so hard to like move around and lose cards to outrage yeah so or attack sympathy and lose cards to outrage. yes i feel like that's actually kind of the worst part of it because i feel like you're gonna play more hyper aware if they're at the table anyway so you're gonna be looking out for any opportunity for them to revolt so i feel like you're somewhat safe from that theoretically right but the sympathy yeah. stuff like you need cards Car- holding on to cards in your hand is key and the alliance deprives you of that and whenever you interact with them right mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the Vagabond. I think this is a good matchup for the Moles uh, because they have the extra actions to kind of deal some damage. Um, yeah, also a good is... matchup for the rest of the table. Like, oh, good, the Moles are here. You can deal with the Vagabond. <laughs> yes. I'm so going make to make sure you do that. If you are going to police the Vagabond as the Duchy, um, make sure you ring as much favor from the table as you can by yeah. doing so. Uh, this actually can be a good way to tip the scales of a PR battle against the Eerie in your favor. <laughs> oh, yeah. So keep that in mind. Especially hitting them early is is usually pretty easy as the Duchy. Um, my suggestion is hit them early because that just helps you out later on. Uh, solo moles out on the map, that kind of thing that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. that can make moving around extremely expensive for the Vagabond. So keep that in mind as well. You can really gum up the works there. Um, With this... Uh, strat we're talking about with the solos I just feel like we need to keep the rhyming convention going so we're going to call the strategy solo molo <laughs> good I love it I want to say I, I 
do want to give a little credit to Spratic Zoom for uh, Solo Molo. Uh, because in the 1v1 tournament, Spratic Zoom used the strategy of getting little solo moles like everywhere on the map mm-hmm. as a, an express counter to the Lord of the Hundreds. This is going to be a whole other discussion later on. Uh, both in the 1v1 sphere and when we get to Lord of the Hundreds, once that's all published. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he just wanted to, to point that out. But, you know, credit where credit is due. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Uh, last thing about Vagabond, you have to be careful when you're going for a crafting-heavy strategy not oh, right. to overfeed the Vagabonds. Yeah, that's just a good be point. Be judicious about that. But if it's late in the game, who cares? <laughs> Craft all the teas you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, also, the Vagabond is helpful when somebody has to go get the moles, you know? And there's somebody who's going to get a bunch of points out of it, which is the Vagabond. So at least somebody's incentivized to try to break through Mount Mole, you know? That's true. That's true. Also, aid. Anytime they aid you for one of those items that you've crafted, it's going to give you just another card to work with on your turn, which is extremely helpful. It's a nice little symbiotic thing, as long as they don't take out your buildings. (laughs) All right, let's talk about some river folk. We've been talking about how self-sufficient the moles are. Or how much help do we need from the river folk? I know we only have 20 warriors, so you know th- we don't probably need all of those. But Yeah, yeah only 20. <laughs> it's fine. I, think, I honestly think that the river folk are more helpful early in the game than they are late. Yeah. Uh, well, I should say they, they are most helpful at the very beginning and very end of the game for mm-hmm. the moles. Um. And you're mostly interested in the cards, mm-hmm. I would say, more than anything else. You, usually you're not going to need mercenaries. Usually riverboats is not that important. Um, but having an extra card on turn one is huge. Yeah. Having an extra card on turn two is huge. So it's, isn't uh, having extra cards in round That's the thing, is like at the eight huge too? On your last turn... Having extra cards is amazing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, I think they're always good for you in that case. Like, yeah. unless they're throwing their cost to four or whatever all the time, and they know right. you are going to trap, they're going to try and trap you with that. But, like, I feel like they're always a great person to have at the table for moles because card variety, baby. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. Uh, so, um, their mercenaries grabbing, do, like, the mercenaries do give you rule and clearings you might need to sway. Is that true? Yes. Okay. Yes. Would they count um, as a duchy piece? Oh, well, no. That's, because oh, they don't count as a duchy piece. Rule. Yeah. It's counting for rule and... Battle. Right. But the rule for the rule for sway is you must have a duchy piece there, yeah. right? Okay, right. so then mercenaries wouldn't apply. So really, it's got to be mostly cards. Like, you yeah, aren't going to pay attention to You could use mercenaries anyways. to then put a building in a clearing where you don't have any pieces. Probably a terrible idea, but you could do it for the sway if you really needed to. Right, I guess. I guess so. I mm-hmm. feel like there's way better, easier, less risky ways to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's definitely like a weird gambit of some kind. Yeah. I mean, my, my whole thing is I'm like, end of the game, Riverfolk can set their prices to whatever. You're still going to buy that extra card or two and just close out the game with crafting or whatever. Yeah. So like... I just know that you you should definitely abuse the card potential of the river folk at the beginning and the very end of the game. But I can know see... that if you give them too much, they will form a death ball and crush your dreams. <laughs> yeah. So you must watch out for that. Yeah. Uh, th- because the river folk they they like to race as well. Uh, the the yin and yang of this is that you actually could potentially use your military force to kind of squash them mm-hmm. in the mid game. And then you don't have to w- worry about 
buying from them, right? This is what I like to do. You you eliminate their presence on the board, and then you buy from them. You're like, here, I'll give you the money to rebuild your force <laughs> I just destroyed. And I'll take <laughs> these go. cards, please. There you go. Uh, okay. Uh, let's keep this one moving along. We have two more. We've got the lizards. The lizards, I think, are a fine opponent for the moles. They, there's not that much interaction that I can think of, except for Sanctify. Yeah, except for the kryptonite of the moles. Sanctify is so brutal against the moles. It's it's literally it's the thing that the table helps the lizards do <laughs> yeah. to combat the moles. <laughs> yeah. Towards the end of the game. Yeah. That being said, Sanctify is tied to the Outcast, which, if you have a lot of buildings, and some of those buildings are markets, you're going to be drawing a bunch of cards at the end of your turn, which means you can influence the Outcast yeah. at the end of your turn. Banker is particularly brutal. Banker is, I'm going to discard all of these cards, that's your new Outcast. You know? Right. Um, it's... Uh, so the moles, yeah, you're right. I, I've been in games where, uh, in the Space Cats, Peace Turtles uh, test tournament game, this happened where moles set up Mole Mart right away, and we're and the lizards were at the table, and we're like, oh no, they're going to influence the Outcast suit for the rest of the game, so we destroyed their Mole Mart. <laughs> yeah, as a team, <laughs> as yeah, friends, you were the, friends. the river folk in that. I was river folk, case. yeah. So people paid me to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, overall, though, I think the lizards are a fairly soft opponent for the duchy. And if the lizards are getting out of control, like, the duchy can kind of oh, yeah. stop it. Yeah. So I, I I tend to think of the lizards as, like, they've got one big, you know, stopping power kind of ability. And then everything else is not that important right. to you. And Sanctify sucks for the lizards to do. They're only doing it to stop you. But if they're doing right. it to one of your clearings you've turtled in, you're going to take their garden, get a point, and take a card from them, so. Yes. Well, notably, though, they can't sanctify tunnels because tunnels are tokens. Right. However, they can convert moles, which is very <laughs> annoying and costly if you're going for small mole with, like, yeah. the limited ability to recruit. Right. All right. So lizards can be very annoying to play against. Just try and infl- keep the outcast away from where your buildings are. Yeah. I would say this is maybe one of the... Uh, one of the situations where you want to focus on maybe one suit oh, interesting. to build your buildings in so that you have the most kind of potential to keep it in a different outcast. Um, just something to consider. You're, I mean, you're probably going to lose a building here or there. Uh, just know that you can always outrace the lizards. So yeah, I, I wouldn't change up my whole thing to suit them. Right. <laughs> uh, lastly, we have the Corvids. Corvids are, I guess, kind of annoying to play against. Um, spending a card for exposure can be annoying. Mm-hmm. If you lose it, guess wrong. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the moles just have a more dominant military. And if if the situation is like, oh, the Corvids are going to win on their turn by flipping this plot, like you don't even need to wager a card to guess the plot. You could probably just send some moles in there and take out whatever Corvids are guarding the plot. Yeah. Or just dig and take out a, an undefended plot. Like, what, whatever the case may be. Yeah. I, I think there's answers to whatever the problems the Corvids would pose. Yeah. I guess, like, a bomb sucks for a turtle faction, right? When I'm, like, concentrating so many of my forces in one clearing, if a bomb goes off, it would be bad. But that's just wagering one card to have bomb insurance. And other that's than that, true. none of these plots are going to be that bad. Snare, 
It's like, yeah, that does suck to not be able to move out. You could probably destroy the snare pretty easily. Or you just be like, that's fine. <laughs> These moles are stuck <laughs> here. I was defending with them anyway, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, I would extortion, say um, expo- I guess. Or extortion yeah. is kind of annoying because you lose a card from your hands yeah. if you share a clearing. Just one, so if though. You're, if you're going for um, solo molo... <laughs> Uh, just make sure you don't send a solo mole into a clearing with a face-down plot early in the game that's likely to be an extortion. Because oh, yeah. why lose a card for no reason? Yeah. Um, just be, yeah, be aware, because that can really set you back if you mm-hmm. have no recourse. So um, extortion and bombs, I guess, really watch out for. Yeah. Uh, pretty much everything else you have an answer for against Corvids. Um, all right. Let's talk about the maps, and we we're here on the downhill slope for the moles, you guys. We're, we're making it through this Woo. janky episode. All right. We start with the autumn map. I think the autumn map is a mixed bag for the moles. I think there's a couple mm-hmm. clearings like Cancun and Canada, these two-path isolated clearings on the north and south end of the map. I'll let you figure out which one's which. <laughs> um, and... I think those clearings are good because they're isolated. Again, for your more turtley ideas, your swole mole, your mole mart, those are the clearings you're going to want to focus on. I could see this one being good for solo molo or pump and dump. Yes. The thing about the auto map is it's very interconnected. Yeah. Uh, so movement is pretty efficient on this map. So in terms of if you want to go for a swole mole and like actually get your meeples like out and about, bopping people Mm -hmm. this is a great map to do that on um i will say though i I think this one can be a challenge because it's impossible to defend everything and uh the the mobility of the autumn map is it it cuts both ways uh and other factions can make use of that to infiltrate your kind of turtley clearings Mm-hmm. So be, be cautious. Also uh, of note, the only two building slot rabbit clearings are both on the river. Mm-hmm. And there's only one unless the vagabond is in the game. So you're going to want to, if the river folk are in play, you're going to want to pick something that's not on the river for to set up in most mm-hmm. likely. Uh, I, yeah, uh, this, this one, it's, it's got some positives and some negatives, I'd say. Uh, well, uh, let's go to the map that is Turtle's Paradise, the winter map. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. that northern strip of four clearings, you can lock down. And you don't even need four clearings. No. So you can get just a couple of these, put all your moles on either side of that row, and you've got the middle defended inherently. It's right. a, a, a really good place to throw down some buildings. Yeah, you could be a little bit in charge of your destiny on the winter map, I would mm-hmm. say. And if you want to go aggressive, uh, the main challenge in winter map is getting across the kind of middle dividing line from mm-hmm. left to right. Uh, and the moles have the dig ability to help them out with that. So they, they have a tendency to avoid being trapped. And if they do get trapped, hopefully that's just a buffer against the other factions as well. I would say the winter map, almost more than any other map, is the one where Eerie and moles leave each other alone and just race for the win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just be aware that. of that if you are playing against both of those factions on the winter map. All right, lake map. 
Um, this is another one where you can kind of create your own isolation. Because mm -hmm. we can turtle up in a clearing and lend it render it essentially useless for other factions, you can take some of those edge clearings on the side and cut off the map pretty good. Also, with right. all the move actions we have, we can lock down the ferry. Yeah, or at least make use of it. Yeah. Uh, and the ferry is great because you draw a card yep. on your turn yep. before evening where you would be crafting it. Yep. Oh, are so good. <laughs> One thing to watch out for, though, is if you're going to go for a building-heavy strategy, yeah. be careful where you build those buildings. If you build them on the lake, that means that they are much more accessible to the rest of the map and that other players can potentially reach that in way fewer moves, depending on the location of the ferry, which you do not always control. Mm -hmm. so Especially if Riverfolk are in the game, that, yes. that map is actually very accessible. Yeah, so be, be a bit cautious about building directly on the shores of the lake. Um, the, the sad part is that most uh, building slot rich clearings happen to be adjacent to the lake. Um, but there, there's a couple of options there. Mm -hmm. um, lake map, I think, is really good for the moles. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of tactics at the end of a game to kind of close it out as the moles in the lake map. I think so. Let's talk about mountain map, which I think is kind of the thematic mole paradise right right yeah there's tunnels it's like the con or covered paths <laughs> um it's the terminology gets confusing when you add in the moles terminology i feel like <laughs> it's a mountain there's paths we're digging out with cards <laughs> i don't know yeah. um and strategically though kyle i know this one has one extra building slot all the corners have two building slots how does yeah. that impact the moles game well, I think it's it's generally pretty good for uh, building stuff that's like out of the way because it's going to be costly in terms of actions to like go over to the edge of the board and like hit some moles. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that the availability of a point for the pass can be extremely handy for the moles, yeah. and that you know you don't have to commit your entire force to the pass to have a big impact. Uh, I, the other nice thing about the mountain map is for solo molo. There's a ton of clearings that are all really interconnected that you can just move around in. Mm -hmm. I tend to think it's almost a little expensive to spend a card from your hand to open a path. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the drawbacks. But once those paths do get opened up, the moles just get stronger and stronger because they can just access areas of the map really easily. Um, one thing to be careful about on the mountain map is make sure that you don't get... Uh, caught in an area where you can't defend your buildings um some parts of the map start out looking very isolated and then as paths open up they become very accessible so just be a bit careful about where you choose to put down roots i think the mountain map is actually really nice for small mole um for this reason exactly mm -hmm. so that once the board kind of crystallizes a bit you can pick and choose where it is you're going to set up camp. are we we're avoiding the pass right I mean, probably don't build a building in the pass. <laughs> I don't know. I could, I could see you getting four dudes in there, setting down a couple citadels, and then being like, that's mine for the rest of the game. Yeah, just it's such a big target. But, I yeah. mean, yeah, I guess you could totally go for it. If the birds aren't in the game, I'm like, who's <laughs> going to stop me? You know? Terrorist. The vagabond. Yeah. Yeah, I, if if you feel like you can really do that. Mm -hmm. But you just, just realize that like, the pass is connected to the river. It's... Yeah. In the center of the board. It's heat central, too. Like, 
as if you aren't already drawing enough heat with whatever it is you're doing as the moles, right? I would say that the, the pass is a great place to have a tunnel. Yeah. Um, so you can reinforce. Maybe not a great place to have a building because mm-hmm. yeah. the risk is just really high. Yeah. I mean, if anything, like build yeah. the building very far away from the pass so that your opponents have to choose yeah. uh, how they're going to stop you. Right. And by stopping one, they still allow you to score the point. Mm-hmm. But by stopping the other, they leave your buildings alone. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, all right. So that that's uh, that's kind of the breakdown there. Just kind of some general map thoughts. Overall, uh, what, do you, what do you guys think about this faction? I think it's uh, there's a lot of options. I think that you can play it fairly situationally. And once these guys get going, they cannot be stopped. Um, they're a very good faction. And I feel like there's a lot of different ways to play them. And maybe that's what their biggest strength is how variable uh, the choice of how to play them is. Yeah, I think I think they might be the best. And that's hard to say in a game this complex. Mm-hmm. But like, as far as I'm concerned right now, I think the bevy of options just like kind of blows my mind. And it uh, doesn't mean they're always going to win the game for sure. But like that versatility of options and... Uh, how so many of them are related to scoring points. <laughs> yeah. And they don't have to spend cards for a lot of their cool stuff. Yeah, they right. get to reveal. That's and that's true. just, that's a mechanic that's hard to beat. That combined with turtling as like a concept, which I don't always love as a play style, but, and usually is not very encouraged in Root beyond like kind of cats in some mm-hmm. ways. Uh, the fact that it's encouraged here and reinforced in so many of their mechanics just makes them really tough to say like who's stronger like who's stronger than them in that way you know right yeah it's hard to say they have a little bit of everything they have that good card economy they have good warrior economy and good action economy um but obviously you're gonna have to kind of prioritize which one of those strengths you're going to focus on in your particular game and what what you choose to rise to the moment with i what i hope you take away from all this is that, yes, there's a lot of options, but that it's really worth kind of exploring a few of these options and just trying it out in a game. Like, the next time you are piloting the moles, choose one of these options and just explore it. You know, even if it seems like a little crazy, like, give it a shot. See how you feel with it. See what its strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, See what it does to the board state. And I also feel there's, like, a little bit of analysis paralysis in that way, too, though, right, Kyle? Because, like, yeah, you say choose these options as if there aren't, like, choose this route. But, like, this route is a part of a variety of different roads, right? Yeah. And it's, I always second-guess yeah. my own strategy with moles. Yeah. I just think it's it's impossible to know what's best Yeah. until you've, like, tried out a lot of options mm-hmm. and seen kind of what happens with it. Yeah. And I, this is for me, too. Like, I have not been able to, like really explore all of these in as much depth as I really want to. Um, but from my like observations, I feel like after observing a lot of these strategies, like in motion, I'm kind of coming around to a better sense of, you know, like what each one kind of does to the board state, what each does kind of psychologically to your opponents and how to kind of manage the like PR campaign, which is like, like the Dutchies, one of their biggest weaknesses is you know, yeah. taking heat from the board. Yeah. So sure. like give some of these routes a try, try small mole. See, you see what it does. Um, 
Try pump and dump one time. Just say like throw caution to the wind and give it a shot. Yeah, I'd watch the uh, video first. You know, it's it's kind of a specific build. Um, so watch Neb's video, see how it works, see the order you got to do stuff in, um, just to try it out. Like Kyle said, all these things are just tools in the tool belt, and you'll know what tool you need uh, at the right time once you've kind of you know played them once and understand their their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, and maybe this would help with analysis paralysis too, Jake. Is that like? Uh, like we've said, like almost none of these strategies exist in their purest form Mm -hmm. in like a competitive way. Uh, Instead, what you get are a lot of like little hybrids and things that evolve into other things. Um, And having some familiarity with the full Swiss army knife uh, will just allow you to, to, you know, switch and swap (laughs) whenever you need to. I love all the new languages we've come up with today. So many new words. Yeah. Swap and pop. (laughs) Well, great discussion, friends. I mean, uh, that's that's uh, that's the penultimate faction guide. We got only one more to go. Oh my god, crazy! We're gonna need all the help we can get too. And if you want to help us with any episodes coming up, I would encourage you to join the Good Time Society Discord and look at the Woodland War Machine channel. Uh, We have contributors uh, that are helping us with all of these guides and what to focus on. Some of those people we have to thank for this episode. Those people (laughs) include Fugless, Squidmark, Marcus the Couch, Shouts to Nebuchadnezzar, Fantastic Mr. Trickster, Garrick Samples Games, Crewmeister, Fletch, and Justin K. Thank you. Thanks, friends. Yes, and good luck to the Root Jam finalists. Yeah. All right, and just for everyone in the back... Roo! 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 Roo!